Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's 1989 in the coastal New South Wales city of Wollongong, about 90 minutes drive south of Sydney. Four-year-old Lauren is in her bedroom. Her mother, Christine Campbell, is a single parent at home while the kids are asleep. Mum had a phone call from a friend who was obviously at the pub wanting to find somewhere to drink. So mum accepted the company of having some people come over. She knew the friend who had called her, but she did not know who was coming with her. There's a bit of noise when they arrive. It wakes Lauren up. She goes out to the lounge and sees a strange man in her house. I didn't know this man. I didn't know anything about him, but he was he was quiet and he was friendly at that time. He, he was not very talkative, but he tried to be friendly at the time. His name was Robert Long, a short, stocky, rather dishevelled-looking bearded man in his mid-twenties. And you guys obviously got along pretty well pretty quickly. Well, he seemed decent to me at that time, you know. He was working and he didn't show anything until a bit later down the track. He was the adopted son of Sid and Norma Long. He'd worked in the local mines, but not much else was known about him. But he struck up a friendship with Christine and that turned into something more. And in the early days... Robert was on the scene most of the time. So often, in fact, Lauren even called him daddy. What do you remember about him trying to be friendly? When mum would go and get me some breakfast or something, he would stand there and smile at me and say hello. And as the relationship quickly progressed between my mother and Robert at that time, he started taking me down to the corner shop and putting me on the shoulders and walking me down to the shop. So it was good childhood sort of memories that you would normally get at that age, I guess. So he brought that into my life where he would put me on his shoulders and take me down to the shop, get me something at the shop and take me home. It only happened a few times, but it was enough for me to have some sort of memory of him. And I guess enough for you to feel relatively comfortable being around him? Yeah, relatively comfortable. I mean, we got used to Robert being within the home. My sister and I would go out and play with our friends and then come back and have dinner and go to bed. It was There's no sort of issues that arose at that time. Mum was very playful, always drinking, I have to admit, but... There was lots of laughter in the house, so it wasn't an upsetting time. Any good in those early days 
certainly disappeared in a hurry, though. The children saw something they didn't like and quickly turned against him. I must admit, hearing Christine recount the extent of just how bad things were is just bewildering. So you said he was good then. Like, at what point did things start to turn? Oh, gosh. Um, might have been about six months in. I had some concerns because he was uh, slashing his wrists and I had children. And um, he stalked me do everything because I wouldn't allow him to be anywhere near me with the children like that. I went over and I saw his parents and I said, well, I've got young children. You need to tell me what I should know. Uh, is there something that I should know? And they said, oh, don't worry, you'll find out. And, and then, it, yeah, I did. Yeah, okay. And over the next eight years, it's fair to say they did find out. And the wreck Robert Long has left behind is quite sad to observe and process as an outsider being given different versions of what happened, what was said and who's to blame. What can't be denied is the relationship between Christine and her children, because of Robert Long, is very, very broken, perhaps beyond repair. Like she just kept pulling him back and forth, back and forth. Whatever suited her or the relationship at that time, I guess, brought them back and forth to each other. But mum didn't seem to think about what the result would be to her children. What that trauma that she would put her children through for the gamble of having someone in her life for the rest of her life, she didn't realise just the whole trauma and the experiences that we've gone through, she didn't realise what was going to happen to us children after that. It kept stalking us. And it kept breaking into my place. I'd come home and my place had been broken into and blood was all over the place. The same usual sort of stuff. So I kept ringing the police and ringing the police. They just keep re-arresting him and he'd still get out again. And it's just the same scenario. It was just starting to get a little bit too much. It must be hard to see what your kids have gone through and knowing that he was essentially invited into the family home at the time, that must be hard. Is that is that fractured your relationship as a family? Uh, yeah. As, as Lauren's got older, yeah. She told me I could have done more and I said, well, I tried. I tried, but every time he got arrested, he got let out again, you know? And I said I did everything in my power, but that anything, you know? You could break it that many times and still be let out. But somehow, Robert Long just kept being a part of their lives. And then alcohol was thrown into the mix, and it just got out of control. It was clearly an issue. Um, it was an everyday occurrence and usually started kicking off around 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Christine... You talked about him being an alcoholic. Has that been a problem? Yes. For, has that been a problem for you? And did it get quite violent at home between the two of you? No, not for me. I'm not an alcoholic. 
but I've, I've hit him quite a few times. I've had to because of my children and to protect my children. I was, uh, I was all right back then. And I just, I, I hit him. I just kept hitting him. Stay away from my family. Stay away from my family. And that's how it's been over the years. That's how it was. That would lead to heated arguments between Christine and Robert. There were some extremely disturbing allegations made, which for legal reasons I can't elaborate on, but suffice to say the wedge being driven between Christine and her children was growing the more that Long was around. They would get along, they would drink, and then they would fight, and then Mum would kick him out. He'd disappear for a few weeks, and then he'd come back. He used to go and find little jobs like fruit picking or uh, selling vacuum cleaners at one stage he was doing. Um, So he'd find little jobs like that to keep him going until mum would let him come back, I suppose. And that's just how the turbulent news just kept going. And it was just this continual cycle of of what you just described. Yeah, just ongoing. I mean, the level of depthness of the issues did go up and down, but that was pretty much the cycle. Mum would mum would bring him back, be happy with him for a bit, get on the drink, fight with him, kick him out. That and this would go on for several years? Several years. Lauren says Christine would continually seek him out and invite him back. Christine has a different version. She says Robert just had a way of finding her and she was powerless to stop it. But then this happened. Did you and Robert get engaged? Yeah. That was within that time. But I was never going to... He kept saying to me, um, when are you going to marry me? I said, when I'm ready. But I had no intention of getting married to him. Was, was this around the time when there was a lot of arguments... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you love him? No. That's something she still finds hard to explain. The whole thing is just truly bizarre. Mum became violent towards Robert. It became very nasty. And as a four-year-old, I would sit there and I'd watch my mum tell Robert... Go sit in the corner. You're being a bad boy. And I didn't think anything of it. Then Mum said to me one day, Lauren, tell him, go stand in the corner. So I did. Robert, go stand in the corner. You're being a naughty boy. I can only imagine what those words would have done to a man, a full-grown man, and a four-year-old child saying those words to him. Would have, it wouldn't have been nice and it wouldn't have made him feel anything like a man. But at that time, I didn't see it like that. I saw it like, oh, this adult's doing what I tell him to. And that's not normal unless we're playing Son says. So my child brain didn't really understand the gravity of what was going on at that stage with my mother and Robert. Now, at that time, Christine was actually in witness protection for a matter well before Robert Long even arrived on the scene. So they moved around a bit. 
but Long just keeps appearing wherever they went. I actually packed up and left, and he broke into my house and filled the bathtub with water and slid his wrist and wrote, I love you, Chris, forever. All over the wall. With what? With blood? Yes. Wow. That's that's very unsettling. Yeah. And at that time, I'd just gone. I'd left Wollongong, but he tracked down my adopted parents and they told him where I was. I had another incident at uh, Lismore after that when my adopted parents told him where I was and he'd actually um, was hiding under my house. And underneath our house, we had like a manhole that would go underneath our house, but we had a padlock on it. And Mum and Robert had had a fight and he disappeared. But Mum thought that she could hear something underneath the house and she got the police out to come and have a look and they'd had a look under their house, but they apparently opened up the door and had a bit of a look and didn't see anything. So they locked it back up with the padlock and off they went. And it was, it was maybe, Mum reckons it was about a week later. Mum reckons he stayed under our house for a week, locked up under our house. My mother was out the backyard doing, putting washing on the line when Robert came out of the manhole from underneath the house and attacked her from behind and started strangling her. That happened in Lismore. There was another incident soon after that. It wasn't too long after that before Robert would break into the house in the middle of the night and attack mum again and then he tried to stab me with a pair of scissors and was over the top of me choking me and Warren um, was over the top of him watching him and, and crying and yelling and he had a pair of scissors underneath her so when I've gotten out of my bed as a child wanting to investigate a scuffle that I'm hearing I walked out and I saw mum on the floor heavily pregnant with Robert over the top of her strangling her, but she had scissors underneath her. And I ran out the back door and went and got the neighbour. And after that, I did not see him until we went to Ballina. In case you missed the detail in that, this happened while Christine is heavily pregnant, carrying Robert's child. He actually got jailed for that, but not for very long. Mm. It wasn't allowed within 100 kilometres of Lismore. The baby is born in mid-92, a girl named Kira, Long's only child. How did it come to be? Did, like, did you guys reconcile them? Because obviously you guys had Kira. Um, did you guys reconcile at some point, did you? Or? No, well, he just... Um, I tried to get him some psychiatric help with his father. And... Um, we were trying to do that, but that was before choosing. You know, I mean, my... Yeah, sorry, but I can't even recollect the years or whatever. It was just... Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. I just remember the bad parts. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I can imagine that. You know, sounds I like can't. sounds like there's a lot of those. Yes, um, there was a lot of stalking. There was a lot of um, cutting wrist. There was um, uh, he was an alcoholic. Chugan, that's a suburb of the Gold Coast. By this point, they'd moved there. And once Long gets out of jail for the incident in Lismore, he manages to track them down again. I'll leave it to Lauren to share the details of what happened that night. But to give it further context, remember this. At the time, she was a tiny seven-year-old girl. Robert broke into my mother's unit one night after she had had some friends over for a few drinks. He'd broken into the house that night. He must have got the best of mum because when I heard a noise from my bedroom, who I shared with Kira in a cot at the time, I got up and I investigated what was the noise that I could hear. So as soon as I opened my bedroom door, my mum's bedroom door was right next to me. Um, and I could see Robert over the top of my mother. We got stopped by him and, and um, he broke in through a window and knocked me out because I was having a, a drink with a neighbour. So I ran. Um, I ran underneath a kitchen bench and I hid under that kitchen bench and I hoped that Robert wouldn't see me here. And at that time, we didn't know the full extent of what Robert was like, I guess, because this was the night we did find out. After he had gotten the best of my mother and dominated her, he'd come out to the kitchen area where my mother had left her last drink on the bench. And so he finished that drink off and he must have seen me. I don't know how he saw me, but he must have seen me. and. He's picked me up underneath his arm like a football and he's gone towards the double doors that lead out to the um, driveway of my mother's unit complex. And as we've hit the glass double doors and he's stepped outside, there's been, there's like a broken glass bottle at the front of the door. So he's bent down, picked a piece of glass up and like sliced from my cheek up my nose, like so he's cut my cheek and my nose with a piece of glass. And he's continued running down the driveway with me in his arms. I don't know what direction he went. I do know I've gone over a few fences. He threw me over a few fences and would pick me up. I think I went over about three fences that night. He threw me over the fence three times. And then he ran with me under his arm a little bit more till he got to a church in Chugan that had a blue cross on it. And on the lawn of the church, he, he threw me onto the ground and quickly put his hands around my throat and started squeezing my throat. I cannot recall every bit of feeling I had at that time, but I do know I was full of fear. I didn't know where I was, and I didn't know whether I was going to survive it. It's at that point, she says, that help arrived, removed Long from her, and she ran. Now, 
Back then, there was an initiative in place called the National Safety House Program. People would put a little yellow tile on their mailbox and that was an indication that it was a safe place to seek help and shelter. Lauren sees one nearby. And I knocked on the door and they let me in. I believe it was a lady and a man that let me into their house. And then the police came and got me from that place and took me back to my mum where Robert was in the police car outside my unit. And my mum was outside the unit waiting for me to be returned to her. My mother's words to describe me that night was, I was covered in blood. She didn't have any idea it was me because I was covered in blood. Um, I then was taken by the police to the Gold Coast Hospital and I stayed in there for a few days being evaded. Wow, Lauren. That's, um, that's horrific to go through. Long is arrested, charged and sentenced. But what happens next simply defies belief. He was placed in a prison farm on the Gold Coast and he was soon to escape that prison and come back to my mother's house. Mm. And your mother took him in? So at this time in my life, I'm... I'm very scared of this man. He's just been locked up for nearly killing me. And we've had other issues with him stalking us in the past. So very scared and didn't want him around the home. And I'm pretty sure I made that very clear to my mother at the time. Was there any conviction with that, with harbouring him in any way? Yes. Yeah, I got in trouble. I tried to explain to the police that I just didn't have a phone. And I couldn't leave the children and run out and, and do whatever because he was in there. Yeah. And I did not like that because it was not any fault of my own. I just didn't have a home phone and I didn't have a mobile back then. I just didn't. Yeah. And I was wrongly really done, you know? Yeah. What, so what ended up happening to you over that? Oh, I just, I got a, a, a small fine, $200 fine or something, and that was it. So you can, you can absolutely guarantee me, Christine, that when he escaped from prison that first time, that wasn't planned? No. What's not? You weren't part of that? No. Okay. He has a fascination for me. It's, it's like he won't let me go. When I got a knock at the door at seven o'clock, mum told me, answer it, Lauren. I opened the door and I saw Robert Long. And I still get just as emotional as I did then that night. Full of fear, I opened the door and mum coerced me to allow him in. Um, she did this by telling me, he's not going to hurt you, Lauren. You can let him in. He's not going to hurt you. Lauren recalls Long arriving with a bobblehead toy figurine of rugby league great Mal Meninga to try and win her over. It was one night of freedom 
while Lauren lay awake in fear in the room next to them. It was literally the next day that the police came barging into the unit and arresting my mum and Robert and charging my mother with harbouring a criminal. I don't know how he had got away from that jail, but I do know he escaped from that correctional facility that was a farm. And therefore, I didn't see him again for a little while after that. So Long goes back to jail. Christine manages to avoid a custodial sentence, but eventually he's let free from prison and he joins them as they move to Darwin. Well, Lauren recalls him making that journey with them on the bus. Christine says, again, he tracked them down once they'd arrived in Darwin. In any case, they live in a caravan park just outside the city. It's the 13th of February, 1997, and it's a nice, peaceful day. Robert takes the kids to the pool at the caravan park. Everything seemed pretty fine. No problems arose until about around dinner time that the fight started, which was usually around the five, six o'clock mark we had dinner. So we had dinner, they're niggling at each other, a bit uneasy. And then by about seven o'clock, it's getting really, really bad. There's a lot of arguing, mum's threatening to hurt him. Robert laid on the double bed and just stared straight through us as mum would go off at him. And she was going off at him. The arguments were in regard to years of stalking and torment um, that he had done to us. And then it quickly turned to, why did you hurt Lauren? Why did you attack her? We started asking him, Why did you hurt me? What did I ever do to you? I was trying to gain understanding for my own benefit. I didn't, personally as a a human being, I couldn't understand why I had been hurt by Robert. Robert had previously strangled me outside a church on the Gold Coast at the age of seven. So at the age of 11, I was trying to gain some clarity on why would you do that to me? Why did you hurt me? Why you wanted me dead? Um, we kept asking him, we kept pressuring him for the answers and he just stared straight through us. He had nothing to say. His eyes were dark, brown and cold. And all I could remember is him twirling batteries in his hands. His hands were above his head, near the bed head, and he was swelling the batteries, just staring straight through a very cold light. Mum lost her temper at that stage and grabbed him off the bed and punched him and kicked him out of the caravan. He wasn't giving her anything, any answers, so she retaliated by punching him out of the caravan and kicking him out. That was the moment that I turned to my mum and said, Mum, I don't want to go to sleep. He's going to burn us in this caravan. He's going to burn us in this caravan. And I was adamant. I was so adamant that he was going to do it. 
But mum said, no, no, no. She'd been drinking. It was literally like she maybe had one or two drinks left in the bottle. She had drunk way too much. And I sort of didn't feel safe that night. I was like, I'm not going to bed. Mum said, get to bed. So she does, but wakes a few hours later to the desperate screams from Christine. I heard my mother turn on the light and go, get out, get out. I've opened my eyes and I'm still half asleep, so I'm not even sure whether I'm in a dream. I realised very quickly I wasn't when the smoke, like there was so much smoke. You couldn't breathe. I do remember that. You could see the light, but the smoke just was everywhere and mum was yelling, get out, get out. So all three of us girls were put on the double bed that night and mum laid on the couch. When I had realised what had gone on, because I was the first child to wait, I shook my sisters and I said, get out, get out, get out. It's on fire, get out. I just remember going to the door and getting out that night. Um... As soon as I stepped out of that caravan, I looked at my mum and I did say, Robert has done this, mum. And she said, I know. And then we noticed that Kira wasn't out of the caravan. Kira was only four years of age and had very bad asthma. So mum ran straight back into the caravan to grab her and came out with Kira. We stood there watching the caravan burn And I just remember wanting revenge on Robert. I just, I I couldn't understand why he'd hurt us and why did he have to burn us in a caravan. We were numb. We were very numb. A campfire had been built and set off under the caravan. Investigators would later find several batteries had been planted in it identical to the ones Robert had been twirling through his hands just hours earlier. There were assumptions and allegations made that Long was responsible for lighting it, but no charges were ever laid. Rob Campbell, who was a detective sergeant with the Queensland Police Arson Squad, recalls it being tabled as part of their investigation at the time of the Palace Hostel fire in Childers. There were some issues around identification and placing him at the scene and there was no forensic support evidence. So the the case was thin to start with. Um, But that said, we we still had some good discussions with the... uh, with the, the Northern Territory detectives, and yeah, they weren't they weren't happy to get a get a successful prosecution on it, so it didn't go any further. Once we were being questioned and everything like that, Mum was very quick to throw Robert Long out as a possible reason for the caravan occurring. She she believed it was Robert just as much as I did, so we were very quick to give Robert's name for that. The stories that I've received from my mother is that Robert went on the run and ended up getting across the border to South Australia before the police could get him in Darwin. So he's gone to apparently South Australia and then that is the very last thing we ever heard 
of him or about him until the children's backpackers. So mum didn't have any communication between 97 through to 2000. Okay. What happened during that time only came to light in the aftermath of the Childers fire. Prosecutors believed he burnt down a caravan in country Victoria in February 1998. And again, it smacked of a tried and tested playbook. He told a tall story to his employer about his supposed wife and two children dying in a caravan fire two years earlier. Another story to a female colleague that his family had been killed in a car accident. There was a suicide note to her, and a man that fitted his description was seen running from the scene of the fire. Oh, there was a beer can found near the fire that had his fingerprints on it too. Then there was a car fire in St George, which is about 500 kilometres west of Brisbane. Again, there were reports of another story he told to locals that his daughter had been killed in a car accident. Then he was caught drinking at work and lost his job, so he stole a farm ute. On another occasion, he's drinking at a pub and strikes up a conversation with a man. He tells him that his girlfriend had committed suicide and somehow manages to borrow his car. Well, that car was soon found on fire and Long was found passed out under a nearby tree with a carton of beer. He hides in a motel but does a runner when the rent is due, leaving yet another suicide note behind. Police end up fining him and charging him over the unpaid motel bill and for stealing a mobile phone from a car. But he doesn't show up to court to face the music. A publican reports that Long told him about setting the car on fire, but... Somehow, he manages to skip town before they can charge him. And I think that's when he basically went back to mum and dad's and then they put him on a bus and sent him to Childers after he'd been out to St George. And there were, there were basic patterns around his behaviour. So he'd turn up and be working. You know, this, and this was just from these two or three cases that we pieced together. He obviously had a um, good show at, at working and then alcohol would become involved and depression and then the the letters, the suicide threats and then something would get burnt. So that was the similarity of the case with St George. It all just makes you shake your head that he managed to get away with it for so long, especially among the people of Childers. We've already said that Long's not far from getting out of jail. Yeah. If he gets out and turns back up in town. Have you asked Bill that question? Because we've talked about this, Bill and I, and it makes me feel sick. But when you read about the psyche of people like this, there's every chance that he will, just because he can. Well, I hope to God nobody recognises him because if they do, it won't be pretty. His name makes my skin crawl. Yeah. When you hear the, the name Robert Long. Look, I suppose I've processed that over this 20-year period. Um, I'll never forgive him for what he's done. I would have hoped that uh, he was locked up forever. I don't know how I would process meeting him in the street of Childers years into the future. 
it would be extremely difficult. But yeah, the law's the law and uh, the course of action's been taken, but uh, it leaves a scar on my heart that uh, will never heal. The way he's wired, he might come back. Well, you deal with those things when and if they happen, and, uh, but uh, I would find it difficult. There is still an element in me of anger about the miserable bastard who started this fire. And I'm sorry, it's not the right thing to say on an occasion like this, but we can talk about the positive things, but we shouldn't forget the miserable bastard who started it and caused it. Ever. In June 2000, Lauren had removed herself from the care of Christine. She refers to herself as being a ward of the state at the time. She was living in Bowen in North Queensland, and it was mid-morning the day of the fire when she was asked to go to the school principal's office. There she was met by her caseworker and told about what had happened in Childers and that Robert Long was on the loose. I went numb. I didn't know what to say. I still have the feeling, the empty feeling of just not knowing what to say, not knowing what to do, and just stressing out the fact that he was not very far away and that he definitely would have done that fire. There was no doubt in my mind. Now for Lauren and Christine, 20 years on, Despite their differences on opinion and the circumstances surrounding Robert Long coming to be a part of their life, there is unity on one thing. They are both genuinely scared about what's next. I hate him, to be quite honest, for what he's done to my children. Mm. And I think he should have got more jail for what he did to my daughter, and I think he should get jail for Northern Territory. It's going to be really bad if he gets out on parole. Yeah. It's going to be that bad that I'm going to have to bury my child and my grandchild and everything else. I, I'm so convinced on this. I know Robert like a book. I know what he's thinking. And it's revenge. Yeah. It's just revenge. And I know. And he will hurt. And I, I feel so emotional about what he did to these people at the backpackers that I felt that I should have or could have done more. If that man ever sees the light of day again, he'll be lynched. I mean, Queensland will not tolerate that. Um, I hope. You know, I guess it's a matter of legality, but, but that man, he destroyed the lives of all those people. There, There is no chance in my mind that he should be given any life and i hope that he that he never ever gets parole and i hope that he dies in prison because that's all he deserves in a phone call i had with lauren a few days ago she told me that she felt like she got locked up the minute the idea was floated that long might be let out the past 30 years haven't been easy but at least for the past two decades, there's been an element of comfort in knowing exactly where Robert Long is, knowing that while he's behind bars, he can no longer hurt them. Robert is my free cruiser. Unfortunately, he's in real life to me without the knives and getting me in my sleep, the banter of 
like all that crazy stuff that happens in movies, he is my Freddy Krueger. He'll do it again. And I know he will. And he lies. He always says he's going to kill himself. He's not going to kill himself. He just does that for attention. Mm. And he lies. He just lies all the time. Never tells the truth. I'm assuming you've got a lot of regret about ever having anything to do with Robert Long? Yes, we've got that one, 100%. I wish I'd never, ever set eyes on him. When the sentence came out, I thought it was not good enough. I thought to myself, and I counted 20 years, and I thought, I'll be old enough to do something. I've got to be able to do something. I understand who this man is. I understand this man shouldn't be in society. I understand the reasons why. And I've got the stories that might help people understand why I feel this way. Yeah. What are the first words that come to your mind when you think of Robert Long? First words that come to my mind is, no, not again. Yeah. No, not again. It's a nightmare. A nightmare indeed. My thanks to Lauren and Christine for sharing their stories for this episode. They're still hopeful the Northern Territory Police will reopen their investigation into that 1997 caravan fire in Darwin. Their relationship may be rocky, Robert Long has been the cause of that, but after speaking to Christine, I can tell you she's simply a mum who freely admits she's made some mistakes and poor choices but loves her children with everything she has. We can only hope things get better from here. My thanks to the Bundaberg Regional Council for their support of this podcast series, to Zoltan Fecho for his work in editing and designing and composing the sound. Robert Long lit a fire in Childers which killed 15 young men and women in the prime of their life. There is a memorial to the victims in Childers, if you can, I encourage you to pop in to pay your respects. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.